Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 1, Episode 6, entitled Crazy Handful of Nothing. You got a handful of nothing in the poker game of life, Aaron. We got a crazy podcast full of nothing coming up. <laughs> we do, we do. Uh, where do you want to start? We have some pivot to do up front? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and uh, talk about that since we're excited. Getting closer. Uh, it's coming up November 7th and 8th. It's the Albuquerque Breaking Bad Fan Fest. Sure Jim is. and Aaron, myself. God, I'm talking about... I'm so excited I'm in the third person. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm in God. full-on Rem- incredible Remus. Hulk mode. I'm in Remus mode. Uh, there's so many cool things going on this weekend. There's, they're going to have tours... Uh, on RV, which are selling fast, on a couple left mm-hmm. uh, of Albuquerque locations. They're going to have a uh, some celebrities on the panel that we're going to be hosting. We've talked about that. We've got going to have the cousins. We're going to have Skinny Pete that you meet. You get a little bit uh, yeah. larger of a view this episode. Uh, Victor, uh, Agent Gomez, all these guys on the panel. They've added a new panel, a behind the scenes panel, where they're going to get some of the crew members. Uh, one of the headliners they just announced today is Al Go. I think it's Gato. Maybe it's Goto. Okay, Goto. Uh, he is an amazing stunt man. Not only did he coordinate all the stunts on Breaking Bad, but he also has done work for Minority Report, uh, Thor, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Godzilla. I'll just. Hmm. I mean, this, a lot his, of good stunts in those movies. Yeah, he's got a million, a million credits to his name. I'm sure he's got lots of cool stories for uh, us to mine. Lots of cool experiences to talk about. Uh, a, a trivia. Uh, tri- they're going to have a Breaking Bad trivia fest. They're going to have a costume contest that me and Jim are going to be judging. It sounds like a great time. It's going to be again out in Albuquerque, November seventh and eighth. You can find out more information on abqbreakingbadfest.com. Or their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Breaking Bad Fest. Hope to see you guys there. That it? That's it for the pre-pimping. Sounds good. Why don't we go straight into what did you the think recap? Of, let me ask, no? What did you okay. think of the episode? Because I feel like I want to f- screw convention, open up with a piece of feedback. But I want to see what you okay. thought of the episode first. Uh, I, I thought this episode was really, really good. It's It's one of, if not my favorite in this season, it's one of my favorites. No, uh, it's, I, it's maybe my second favorite. I thought the episode was explosive, much like the uh, Fulminated Mercury. Mm-hmm. I want to give it a, let Lino R or Lino R take it away. He says, "When someone is still on the fence about Breaking Bad, I always tell them get to the Tuco episode. I've been waiting <laughs> for you guys to get here because I genuinely think this is where Breaking Bad really takes off. I was kind of hooked from the beginning, but when I got to a crazy handful of nothing, I thought this show is special." Yeah. This episode has all the trademarks of what will make Breaking Bad great. The flash-forward opening, the introduction of Tuco and Tio, the first of the tr- show's great villains, the, in- the tension of the scenes between Jesse and Tuco, Walt and Jesse's relationship going to the next level with the cancer talk, Walt shaving his head and beginning to get his iconic look, Walt doing his best MacGyver and fucking shit up via chemistry, Walt's first foray and becoming a badass, etc., etc. Um, so I agree... Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I read Alan Seppenwall's review. Brace yourself. He actually said this was the strongest episode of season one. Okay. <laughs> so he, I for, once, yeah. for once, he's, he doesn't have a contrarian opinion. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like that that we had a little bit of a lull. I mean, as much as you can with dissolving corpses and strangling people. <laughs> this was a, an episode that took us right back to the holy shit moment from the pilot. Sure. You you have to have the moments where 
he's real world dealing with his family and cancer. Yeah. You got to have those. Yeah. In order to or make this... it worthwhile when you have these kind of moments. Yeah. That show, need, I mean, you, you got to have them both. And that's always been Breaking Bad's, I won't say problem because I think they've actually done it fairly well, but that's always been the challenge the, that a guy like the, the Villigan, Vince Gilligan, has had is how do you balance those quiet character moments that make us engaged and feel and, and are invested in the crazy shit that he gets up to mm-hmm. on the, you know, the, the, the highlight reel of Breaking Bad. Sure. And, you know, some seasons he does that better than others, but it seems like it's always, you know, you get two or three set up pieces, uh, episode and boom, he flips the table, Yeah, you know? So that's kind of the pattern. Uh, shall we just jump right in here? Yeah. We start off with Walt checking out the carnage, I guess, from Jesse and Badger's cook. The that, RV is all fucked up. That is a disaster. Uh-huh. A disastrous cook. There are Funyun bags everywhere. Uh, the helicopter bitch destroyed most of their equipment. Oh, yeah. That's a finishing move. Uh, and it's all intercut with Walt walking out of, walking away from this blown out building with a bag and his nose is bleeding. And we're not quite sure what that's all about. And it's, it's awesome because while he's doing that, he's saying, that's it. No more violence. Yeah. No more There can rough be stuff. no more bloodshed as yeah. blood is dripping out of his nose. Sure. It's absolutely perfect to, to set you up to look at where Walt is in that RV at this moment. And, and you know that by the end of this episode, he's going to be the guy walking out of that building with his head shaved and his nose bleeding. It's just a different wall altogether. Yeah, and that was one the this I feel like this show tricked me twice in the first season because I remember thinking when I we talked about it on the pilot I'm like wow so this is the final scene of the season. Nope, that's just yeah, the first, yeah, yeah. that's the final scene of the first hour. I kind of thought because he did he had his head shaved. I'm like oh well, he's <laughs> he's a month into chemo uh-huh. and shit's blowing up. This is going to be and we had no. We just left them deciding to start cooking again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be setting up the season finale. Okay. We'll have two episodes to get there. <laughs> Breaking Bad again says, nope, fuck you. This is happening in 50 minutes. Yeah. In- incredible. Incredible. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, then we see him getting his chemo treatment with Skylar by his side, and he's uh, he doesn't really want her there. He sends her home and... Um, Skyler, before she leaves, asks if Elliot has sent a check, and he lies to her, yeah. and then goes out to the lobby and pays with a check of his own. He lies to her constantly and all-pervadingly. The whole reason he doesn't want her here is so that he can start skating out yeah. and doing, cooking meth. I mean, that's when – I, when I – talked about you know kind of do, gauging the temperature of you know both Walt's transformation Heisenberg and also audiences dislike of Skyler versus um you know eventually there's wide kind of sympathy for by the end of the road I know it's not universal but mm-hmm. um I always I thought when we went back that it the first season would be a lot more just evil Skyler evil bitch Skyler yeah yeah and but watching this with a fresh set of eyes and I'm a different person than I was um Back then, uh, I didn't. I'm not not over a recent divorce and all that stuff. I'm amazed at kind of. Yes, Skyler does a lot of things that are annoying. Skyler does a lot of things that kind of tries to rob Walt of his agency. But holy shit, 
um, she's kind of right on about everything from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, he's lying and hiding stuff, and yeah, sure. from the mo. I mean, it, it looked like he was kind of like in a shitty existence before the cancer diagnosis, but mm-hmm. from that point forward, he just started acting shady as shit. And oh, by the way, he's 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 cooking meth and killing people. Mm-hmm. So everything you say about Skylar, this Skylar, that you know, her being obstructionist to the hero has to be framed with she's the person trying to protect her family from a drug dealing murderer <laughs> sure you don't say the same things about hank right no and that's the, the, the but that's the thing is like i guess maybe part i mean unpacking this more part of it is that we see walt and um i don't know why does that make it better or worse though because skylar doesn't know that her husband's dealing drugs i mean he could just be having an affair he mm-hmm. could just be out getting high every night Whatever he's certainly lying to them, and that's a, that's that's something you can't do in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I feel like I'm surprised at how hollow I feel a lot of the Skyler hate was, even in the early going. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm My with memory you. of I, the I'm... show was much more her being openly villainous and and just just uh, unreasonable. Yeah, mine too. I I wonder if any of that kicks in in season two. Right. Um, but I, I don't remember exactly. Like, like I said, I, most of this stuff I wouldn't have guessed was in season one. Right. Right. And at I, all, so. and I also, I feel like that you got, you got to go both ways. I mean, part of Skyra looks a lot more sympathetic looking back than when she does just, you know, f- from the start. I, sure. And again, I don't think there's no reason for people to be annoyed at Skylar, and she's written kind of as an antagonistic character. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I'm amazed at how much more sympathetic I am going through the second time. Okay. Um, so we we see Walt paying for his treatment with a check, and it's like a $1,900 check or something. Want to float that? Float that. There's one thing he wants to float until Monday. Is he just floating that until after they have time to cook and sell meth? Seems like it. Because he makes like 2,600 on it, and he's like, "This is not enough." He right. expected to make way more to sure. pay for all of his treatments in one batch or something. Sure. And then the very next week, he goes back and he does the exact same thing to float that check. Not only that, but he's doing the math. Like, okay, if I get six months, yeah, and I'm making you know 10 grand a week. Mm-hmm. then that's X amount of money to leave my family. Um, you know, uh, if he's doing, and then maybe they could live off that. If he's making 1500 or 1200 that is not acceptable. I mean, sure. like he said, I'm I'm committing major felonies here. You could make that a normal job. He could go to Elliot, take that job, and make that, make more than that. Certainly. And, so. you know, the half a year, like, you know, what, so that's 25 weeks making a thousand bucks, $25,000. ain't shit. No. It probably won't even cover his chemo. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> so, yeah, because 12, I think 1900 is bigger than 12, right? <laughs> 1200. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so then we get a time lapse, which is, you know, break a bad staple. You've got the Koyan's Katsi sort of stuff in there. I really liked seeing the one in the desert where the clouds are going over and then like a, a dust cloud blows by really quick. Right. I thought that was super cool. Uh, there's a lot of stuff with cars in there as Breaking well. Bad is, you know, speaking to ABQ Fan Fest, is a, it feels like a love letter to Albuquerque a yeah. lot of times. Mm-hmm. They really make the most of on-location shots in the desert and the blue skies and just, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. I know it's not. That's the probably, landscape is... sat, you know, color-enhanced and saturated process as hell. Yeah. But, man, Albuquerque <laughs> and the surrounding area looks like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walt then goes to, uh, we go to Walt's classroom where he's teaching his students about chemical reactions. 
Uh, he's clearly fighting his nausea. Uh, he goes to the bathroom and he pukes, and then Hugo's there to help him out, mm. which we we know where that's headed, unfortunately. Yeah, and then, you know, a lot of in, intra episode foreshadowing. You've got the fulminator mercury in the background talking about yeah. the explosives. I also was paying attention to science projects. There's one in particular on nasty teeth. <laughs> Which uh, I was thinking, because I was trying to pause and read it. I really couldn't. Um, I was thinking, well, maybe that was a sly meth commentary. Could also be a reference to Tuco. Oh, his grill. Got that platinum, cho- scary platinum chomper. Some nasty teeth. Yeah, also in this, when Jesse's going around selling stuff, he's looking at people's grills. Mm, just lifting up their lips. Certainly, yeah. Checking that out. He's admiring the guy's grills. Um, yeah. Quite the salesman. Obviously, there is... <laughs> this is this is a little bacon. Villigan once again dons the bacon gauntlet a little bit to make sure yeah. we get the similarities between Walt's chemistry and talking about reactive explosive change and uh, you know his actual life. Sure, and the the change in his personality at the end of that. Yeah, I mean he goes from guy who's who's dreading his chemo to. You know, the final scene, yeah, that sort of thing. Something like uh, I found Instantly. on um, one of those I, f- I picked up on the serial uh, observations for this episode was that, you know, in the, the pilot, he talks about chemistry being change, yeah. transformation, decomposition, r- reaction. Above his head in this episode on the blackboard, they had on one side was fulminated mercury, but then above his head, there was decomposition. And, you know, Losing his hair, um, this physical change is kind of like a um, an allusion to death, allusion okay. to aging and decomposing, and then transformation, rebirth in from Walter White into the Heisenberg. Finally, we can fucking say Heisenberg, yeah, without feeling Heisenberg, like we're spoiling anything. Heisenberg, Heisenberg. I'm getting it all out for the yes. last. Walt transforms the Heisenberg. Five episodes. It's not really a spoiler. We got here in the first season. People, calm yeah, down. Yeah. Um, but it, I I I like that 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 subtle imagery stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so then we go to the White House and the the White House, um, and they're at the New Mexico Cancer Support Group. Mm-hmm. Is where they are, and Skyler's telling Walt uh, how the family feels that that he's he's not sharing everything with them. Um, that he doesn't want him around, and Walt says it's you know sometimes better to have alone time says he likes the nature and the cacti uh which we know is a lie he's actually cooking meth what is, i just think it's interesting you know here's an, a notch against skylar is like you're at a cancer support group for families going through cancer it's all about her and it's all about you know and again turns out she's right but if walt just was out walking in the desert like maybe he's like i've you know what yeah. i've got fucking cancer Cut me some fucking slack. I'm sorry. I'm 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 not home at three thirty every day. I'm walking. I'm I'm puking my guts with some out. Serious shit here. I'm blowing. <laughs> I'm blowing people's shit up. You just got to. You know. You got to deal here. Um, yeah. It seems like she wants him to deal. They, she wants them to deal with it as a family. Um, Walt's excuse is I kind of want to deal with it alone. Although we know that's not true. I'm, I'm actually somewhat amazed that Skyler wouldn't just follow him one day yeah like you know she will go to jesse pinkman's house yo right. and have a confrontation <laughs> she'll call numbers back when she's but she won't take the trouble to follow her husband's 
uh, you know, shitty shit ass green Aztec around. Yeah, it's top yeah. speeds thirty five miles an hour. I don't <laughs> think it's that hard to the track. Sure. Also, I love this is set in the pattern of Walt weaving fiction from truth. You know, as he's talking about, yeah, you know, I like the desert. He does and, go to the desert and the walks in nature, and they're just t- showing the f- different blooming cactus and, yeah. and sagebrush and whatever the hell's out in New Mexico. Yeah, we we cut out to the desert and. Uh, Walt's kind of struggling with his health as he cooks. Uh, Walt goes outside, and Jesse figures out that he's got cancer, and they talk about that for a little bit. Sure. And then Walt tells Jesse that he can't finish the cook and wants him to do it. Mm. Uh, this is I, – I really like this scene. I like that this shows Jesse, A, being smarter than we thought he was, or, or at least more knowledgeable about this particular subject. It also shows him caring about Walt. Yeah, and just being more empathetic and, and warmer in general. Yeah, yeah. Start, starting, like, I, I feel like he's starting to change a little bit, uh, being around Walt for a while instead of around Emilio hmm. and Crazy 8. Hmm. See, I think that maybe, I don't think he's changed. I, I feel like this is always a guy, the guy Jesse is. I, think, I don't know, because when, once he starts cooking, he something sparks in him where he starts valuing the quality of his cook and and taking a little bit of pride in that, whereas before he was mixing in chili pea, he didn't give a shit. No. Well, and he thought he was the shit. That's the thing, when he was actually yeah. cooking shit. Yeah, it, it's that's super interesting. Um, do you think... I also like the fact that you can see their cook is getting ever so slightly more sophisticated. Now they've yeah. actually got a suit... So Walt doesn't have to cook down in his tidy whiteies. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's this little 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 tweaks there. Also, Walt cannot stick to a goddamn business plan Mm-mm. within the space of five minutes an episode. The opening, we're like, you know, this is this is a, I'm, I'm the silent partner in the street stuff, and you stay the hell out of my cooking, and that's my side of the operation. Yep. Here, he we're going to later see him interfere disastrously in Jesse's business plan on the street side of slanging. Slang and crystal. Yeah. And here we see Walt already caving in like, well, I don't feel good. So I need you to finish to cook. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's not the only promise he breaks, right? That no violence. Oh, no. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's a complete shit show from so I, everything he said in the opening is yeah. undone by the end of the episode. It's just. Yep. Another pattern for Walt. <laughs> I like that stuff. Uh, so then Gomez goes to meet Hank to give him some info on the gas mask that they found. Oh, wait, wait. One thing I want to ask. Yeah. Is when Walt throws the gas mask at him, I thought he was just being a dick. Like, you know, no, fucking go cook meth, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, well, maybe he was actually challenging him. I mean, obviously it's because he doesn't feel well. He doesn't feel up to it. But did yeah. you get that he was busting jesse's balls or did you actually see this as a demonstration of some faith in his ability Uh, i got more of a ball busting uh vibe from that but knowing what we know about walt if he didn't think he could do it at a at at a a good quality i don't think he would let him do it right sure sure so that is that yeah a de facto show of respect for Jesse, maybe? Yeah, maybe Walt himself doesn't even understand that it is, but sure, I, it's definitely a vote Walt of confidence. Because if Walt thought he would fuck it up, he wouldn't yeah, I don't, do I don't it. care if he was active, like like gallons of blood were coming out of his lungs as he's coughing. <laughs> maybe gallons. He, he might not have a choice then. 
Does the human body even have no, a gas? I think it's, it's like five pints, liters or six pints. Six liters, yeah. Yeah, six. I don't know. I can't. I don't it know. It probably has like two gallons of blood. All right. Is what I would guess. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the liter to gallon conversion. Uh, and, and Or much of anything, honestly. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I just wondered that because I just feel like if he really didn't believe in Jesse, he wouldn't have let him do the cook, no matter how yeah. bad he was. No, you're right. You're right. For sure. Uh, so let's move on. Get, we get the gas mask from Gomez, and it apparently says property of J.P. Wynn Chemistry Lab on the Uh-oh. mask. Hank immediately knows where that's from. Uh, and that's just a you know, a quick shot there. And apparently Walt thought he was being clever by removing the labels, but apparently yeah. the, F, you know, the DEA, FBI, whoever has got a lab that can detect the presence of Sharpie bleeding through, even if you can't see it the naked eye. Yeah. Pretty, pretty slick. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, then there's a montage of Jesse selling teens. He's out there hustling, and he's smoking up with customers, and you can tell that it's starting to wear on him. Yeah, he's tired this, by the end of it. All those retail transactions, he needs to get in the wholesale, I think. <laughs> You're not the only one who thinks that, because <laughs> he goes back out to the desert, and Walt uh, is dissatisfied with the amount of money that he hands over. Says, hey, we need to get into the wholesale game. Mm. And, and they have kind of an argument about... Oof, where are we going to find a wholesaler? Yeah, like, uh, well, I had a guy. You yeah. fucking murdered him. <laughs> and then he says something else. Well, I also had a guy for that. Yeah, until the guy, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, well, don't you have someone that can make the connections? Yeah, <laughs> Emilio, but you killed him too. Yep. Pretty pretty good. And we also, there's some foreshadowing we hear that Tuco is a badass. Uh, mm-hmm. That Jesse's like, man, I don't know. This is not worth the the risk. Although, knowing what it's interesting, because I, 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 I first thought, I wonder what would happen if Walt had just been patient and let Jesse sling this crystal, if he would eventually caught notice and had a wholesale opportunity to fall in his lap. Now, knowing no. what we know about Tuco, <laughs> it's likely that he would have just been murdered at the doghouse. Yes. So, yeah. you know, even though Walt made the wrong he made the right decision for the wrong reasons because any other way probably would have led to them both being murdered in a graphic way. Yep. No, I'm completely with you. I mean, when Jesse tries to run out of the the hideout with his meth, he's like nobody slings crystal in yeah. this part of the and then beats his ass to the hospital. Whatever. Yeah. Uh so that would have gone badly. What did uh, you think there's also Walt telling Jesse in an you know you need to think outside the box, which is Exactly what Elliot was, you know, when he's trying to shine him on and and fluff him up to take the job offer. That's what Elliot said Walt specializes in. Hmm, okay, I is buy that, that. Because it's fresh in his mind, or is that oh. just a coincidence of dialogue? Uh, no, I, I think Walt thinks that way. I, I don't think it's a coincidence of dialogue. They might have, the writers might have put it in there uh, as a little bit of a callback. But I, I definitely think Walt doesn't do it intentionally. He's just, he just is an out-of-the-box thinker. Yeah. And that's what makes him so good at chemistry and many other things. Yeah. But that's the other thing is like we're soft playing the funny, the humor uh, of this scene. But sure. seriously, so much of the humor of Breaking Bad comes from the odd couple dynamic between Walt and Jesse. Yeah. And like Walt is this all knowing, know everything kind of smarmy asshole. But there's a lot of things that Jesse knows that he doesn't know. And like you compare Jesse's kind of a little exasperated and sarcastic. Versus Walt's just bullying. Yep. It's it very interesting 
almost a, vel- a velvet sarcastic glove that Jesse uses in dealing with Walt, where Walt just fucking hammer, 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 brr, brr, brr. Yeah, especially because Walt is ignorant as well, right? He just doesn't know much about the drug trade. And so when Jesse does kind of know stuff and and has legitimate points, like you killed my contact to yeah. throw up in his face, yeah, it's just perfect. Like you just you need a wholesale. Oh, yeah, let me look that up in the white, the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so fucking easy. And, and also you just can't – even if you know the big guy, you just can't go up to him. No, no. Although apparently you can because yeah, it happens we'll, twice in this episode. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Walt gets some more chemo. He pays with another check, and then he gets sick at school again, and Hugo gives him some gum. Hugo's there with a stick of spearmint gum. Yeah, nice what? guy, Hugo, right? What a nice guy. Yeah. Hugo is a stand-up type of dude. Mm-hmm. How many cars do you think Walt blew up uh, depositing his meth money? <laughs> <laughs> depends is on, it more or less than one? Depends on how many assholes <laughs> cut him off on the way there. All right. <laughs> Uh, so then he's Walt's in his classroom cleaning up, and he gets a visit from Hank, mm. who is there to investigate the gas mask. And he kind of checks out Walt's inventory in the storeroom, and then, you know, he's asking who has keys to it. And Walt's really worried. Walt's like, uh-oh, there's some suspicion here at this point that they're on to me. Uh, and then Jesse calls, which has got to be awkward as hell. Well, uh, yeah, that, that's that's the thing a lot. You know, I like to compare, like, Hank versus Skyler. Because everyone said, like, you know, Hanks is a fucking asshole, dick, racist prick, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then by the, the – we get to know Hank a little bit better. We started to last episode, and people's opinions start softening on him. Yeah. It's not because Hank stopped becoming the – with the traits that we find distasteful. It's just we found out more about them and became more sympathetic to the, his situations. So I feel like that that's yeah. – but nobody talked about – why Hank being, you know, the, the the trouble that everyone hated about Hank. Of course, I don't think, you know, uh, maybe people took to the message boards as vociferously talking about Hank being an asshole and all that, but... Mm-hmm. No, Hank's definitely got some, some asshole he, opinions. He's the type of guy who will ogle a woman's ass mm-hmm. and make a sexist comment before, without even having the, the sense of decorum to let the door shut first. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's a compliment. Why would she be offended? <laughs> wow, yeah. No, he he's that kind of guy, and it, it's kind of gross. Uh, but it is also cool to see that Hank does know his shit as well, right? Like, you would think a guy in the DEA would know this stuff, but it's nice to see it that he's, like, picking up an Erlenmeyer flask, and he's like, oh, this meth cooks love these 5,000-milliliter boiling flasks. Right. Uh, Which actually made Walt sit up and take notice. Sure. he. I, did, I don't think Walt realized exactly how much hank knew about this stuff right and how like oh shit this is kind of really dangerous yeah my like, my oh, brother actually does this for a job my brother-in-law the dea agent who is an oaf mm-hmm. actually is competent at his job that's I gotta scare I, him a little i feel like the walt never saw that coming no you know? he didn't he didn't just like hank can't fathom the idea yeah. that Walt would be a criminal yeah, no, totally. They both underestimate each other constantly. And this is, you know, this is where the cat and mouse game begins in earnest. And I love, I, yeah. I don't know if this is on air or not, but you had the suggestion of a project where we do an edit of all just, just the Hank scenes. Yeah, Breaking Bad from Hank's perspective. This was actually suggested by a listener a long time ago. Oh, was it? When we were still doing the show, yeah. That would, I mean, I was, as I'm watching this again, I'm I'm looking at these scenes and that lights like, man, that would be a really cool... Almost like two, two and a half hour yeah. thriller. 
Sure. I wonder how well it would hold up just standalone. I don't know. We can't talk much about it here. My brother, my brother-in-law, the kingpin. <laughs> yeah. Non-spoiler section, but yeah, uh, I think it'd be interesting. Anyway, so Tuco, uh, Jesse calls. He says, hey, Skinny Pete knows Tuco. We're going to go see him. And so they go over there, and uh, Skinny Pete gets him in, and Jesse shows him the meth, and uh, he likes it. He says they have a deal, and then Jesse goes, oh, my God, this is on consignment. No, no, can't do that. And he tries to run out, and he gets his ass beat doing it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, nobody slings Crystal uh, in the ABQ but him. So what do you think would happen if Jesse... I don't know. I, I'm trying to think what the ideal play for Jesse. I don't feel like Jesse... Let it go on consignment, man. Let it go on consignment. But he shows if up that ne- meth never comes back, that's fine. Yeah, but he shows up next week, and Tuco steals it again. And But he wouldn't have stolen it. I mean... So that's the question. Would Tuco have ever paid? No, hell no. I think like Jesse's mistake was showing up as Jesse Pinkman. You think that Tuco was just taking his meth? Yeah. Look, this was Crazy Eight's plan. Crazy Eight's plan was find out where it's cooked, uh, torture slash intimidate the people and teaching us the recipe and then kill them or make them make meth for nothing because these are sheep ready to be fl- uh, fleeced. Tuco is crazy eight on fucking steroids on and meth. wolf urine <laughs> and whatever. PCP. Yeah. And, and meth. Yeah. I get you could probably just stop with meth. Yeah. He's, he's, he's crazy meth. eight on meth. We know he's on meth. I do. I feel like the sec, if he showed up again, uh, he would have taken it again. And if Jesse wised up and stopped, uh, he would have gone to skinny P and he'd beat skinny P till he found out where Jesse lived. He'd gone to Jesse. He beat the piss out of him. till he finds out where the meth's be made. And we just have, a crazy I, eight situation you can't strangle yourself out of. <laughs> can't strangle your way to the top. I don't know why, but I feel like Tuco was playing him straight there. No like he, way. He took the meth and he said, it's deal. It's deal. You'll get the money on consignment once we sell it. No. I really felt like he was just playing him straight. And that, that would have gone according to plan had he let it go. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like that <laughs> that that scene in in Goodfellas where the guy sold his bar, sold a, a ownership position to regard to Joe Pesci, just like Joe Pesci was selling him straight. No, that 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 was just going to be a fuck. I feel like deal. Crazy Eight was just a dumbass though, because what is Crazy Eight's plan? Crazy Eight goes into the desert. He kills the guy who's cooking this amazing meth, and then he's out of product. Well, he was going to make him. What the fuck kind of business plan is that? He's going to. Well, that's true. And then Walt came up with the idea of making him cook. I mean. Yeah. Crazy Eight was just dumb, I think. Although, Whereas Tuco is insane, but intelligent enough to realize he can't kill his sources of. Yeah, no, meth. that's a good point. I guess it comes back to if you get out of universe and you go, you start, you, you ask questions like, is the meth head that discriminating? <laughs> the 99.1 makes a difference. They need, like, I, I guarantee it probably sits, and that's something that I think The Wire touches on. And mm-hmm. if you don't, if you ask that question, you should watch The Wire because, um, you know, th- that was, there was two competing drug dealing philosophies. One is step on that shit, cut it down, mix yeah. it. These people fucking throwing it in their veins and up their nose are not going to tell the difference. Laws and another guy's like, you know, if you have a superior product, <laughs> you don't need territory, and you don't, you know. Sure, sure. I, I, the one thing I've learned from watching documentaries on meth is that the name matters more than the product. Yeah, and that if people, if you name it something that sounds like it's going to kill you when you take it, WMDs got that pandemic, like poison, uh, got that suicide, WMD. like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. So anyway, interesting. Yeah, well, one other that. thing about drug moving drugs because okay. I <laughs> with your if I've worn experience. one thing and watching five season wire. The other thing is is a volume. You know, when you're talking felony counts of shit being just gross weight um, and concealment, oh, it's yeah, much you, better. You, cut to, further. you take 99.1 percent product. And let's say you're competing against a 50% or 60% product. Mm-hmm. That's twice the meth for half the weight and volume. Yeah. So you can then dilute it with rat poison and chili pee and whatever the hell you want. Uh-huh. Makes sense. So Hank shows up to school and they arrest Hugo while Walt looks on. He's uh, kind of disturbed by that, as he should be. He knows he's at fault and that Hugo's paying the price. Plus, it's such a <laughs> it's such a shitty deal, man. Hugo's hoisting old glory. You know, hoisting the flag to the top of the pole, and the sky's blue, and Walt Walt Jr.'s like, why are they arresting Mr. Archuleto? <laughs> yeah. You know, and... Yeah, and the worst thing he's done is he had some weed in his apartment. That's the thing. A roach in his oh, car. He had, a, he had a fat, fat fucking uh, joint. Blunt, blunt. whatever he, he had calls a fat it. blunt in this thing, and guess what? Hey. He was a major pothead, so... Yeah, probably had some paraphernalia at home. It's like... Lost a job, as he should, and... and, and and so they arrest him on those charges. Like, talk about a gateway drug. That's just a gateway crime. Like, we're gonna we're gonna say since you are a pothead that you stole equipment to make meth. Yeah, man. To make meth. Where's the evidence for that? Again, I don't want to totally derail on another. This country's crazy on its drug law, but there's states where, like, if they pull you over and you have what they call shake. Which, could, which is just, which is just a, a, marijuana, a dust. marijuana dust. It's part yeah. of the plant, like, you know, it, it's in your carpet. And, you you know. Sure. You know, Mythbusters swabs, like, your cars and shit, and they'll say, oh, there was mucus and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's basically what shake is. So, literally, you, you could buy a car from a guy who smoked a joint mm-hmm. and a piece of shake yep. uh, a year ago, and that's in your carpet, and the cops can find that. And some of these zero-tolerance, zero-possession type things – you can go to jail for a mandatory term yeah. of up to a year for that shit. And people have. This isn't I, some I, yeah. slippery slope Aaron being crazy. This is shit that actually has happened. <laughs> sure. I, I It is my fucking nightmare to have a scenario that I heard about happen to me, which is you buy a used car, uh, even a car that's coming from the impound lot uh-huh. that's been taken on drug possession charges where the cops found weed in there. And there's still weed they didn't find. And the sure. next time you get pulled over, you get searched, and they find the weed from the previous owner and bust you for it. I'm like, do I need to go check my car? Like, it's hor- hor- underneath hor- and bust out like the panels. And- or here's another used car scenario. Say you got ten grand and you're going to go drive the, you're going to go pick up a car that you saw on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. It's 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 ten grand. Cop pulls you over. Prove to me that you didn't make that money from selling drugs. Do you have a receipt for that? I, do you I have- just watched a documentary on this. And they yeah. just take it. They'll just take it, and it's almost yeah. impossible to get it back. And there's incentive for them to do it because the money comes back you to them. think? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It goes right to the department, so yep. they can buy tanks and shit. It's fucked ah. up is what we're trying to say. Uh, yeah, anyway, move let's move on. Walt's trying to call Jesse during the uh, family poker night. They're talking about Hugo's arrest um, in the family room and uh, kind of his history. And Walt Walt doesn't agree. Walt's kind of trying not to put the blame on Hugo. And A fat he, lot of good is doing him, well, by the way. Well, he gets... Hank distracted, and then he bluffs the shit out of him. Yeah, he he wins two million dollars of funny of <laughs> right. wh- white official white funny money. Yeah, is this like for who has to do the dishes or something? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm hoping like I I have this headcanon of um, Skyler 
has gone to Kinko's and she's printed off white bucks and like, you know, Walt's on the 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 million or no, Hank's probably on the million and uh, she, you know, they they've got the different family members and yeah. Junior's on a $20,000 bill or whatever. And sure. they're, they're paying that out and to what end, I don't know. <laughs> I, Hank gets an extra broad at the next That's cookout. a pretty elaborate They trade for Schrader brow. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say that this family has built up an elaborate series of gaming props that they use during these family game nights. I hope the talking pillow can be used, too, because that so seems, too. seems like it would be useful Yeah, well. Skyler loves her props, for sure. The, uh, I well, really like, before okay. before we get into the poker game here, okay. the phone call, I love how Walt rolls his eyes when he hears Jesse's answering machine. It annoys him to no end. Yeah, yeah. Like, Skyler's confused by it. Walt is just fucking annoyed. This is who I'm doing business with. This Especially joker. since you're trying to get a hold of a guy. Get... Anytime yeah. you desperately need to go hold someone, you get an answer machine, it's already annoying. You uh-huh. get that answer machine, <laughs> forget about it. Walt Hare in this scene yeah. is the yeah. worst. It's like Arnold and T3 bad. It's mm-hmm. not the right mm-hmm. color. There's already, you can see hunks missing. It's yep. no longer, you know, it's it's just crazy. On, on purpose. His, right? head, his hair now matches his mustache. Yeah, yeah, which one of those will be gone by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the allusions to the cat and mouse game that Hank and Walter now play. So good within this scene. Uh, it's it's from Hank saying you wouldn't know a criminal if he was close enough to check you for a hernia to yeah. Walt, which is funny because there is a criminal sitting right next to Hank. Right, he doesn't realize it. He could reach over do a hernia check on him. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. The other thing is the cynicism. Hank knows Walt smokes weed. Uh-huh. He, his wife admitted to it, and, and Hank's reaction was laughing, and he sends this poor fucker away who's had his his only crime was a previous possession. Yeah. Uh, raps. Uh, <laughs> destroys the man's career and sends him away. Who knows? Maybe it's a felony count, so he'll never be able to get a good job again. Or maybe it's just, you know, get to spend three months in county lockup. Either way. Fucking terrible situation. Yeah, it's, it's hypocritical. And Skyler's well, family, he's not even going to report it. And Skyler's all like, oh, yeah, totally. You can't, you can't let those people around your kid. Your fucking husband, who is a high school chemistry teacher, yeah. is smoking weed, man. Okay. Strike, strike one against Skyler or there strike, you go. strike five, whatever. There, I take it all back. Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy in this whole scenario as well and the country as i mean that's the other kind of social commentary about all this is mm-hmm. you know how much hypocrisy there just is in everyday life sure uh you want to talk any more about this i have some stuff that i'm going to save for the spoiler section a little bit all right um but then we go to walt in oh, the shower. oh no yeah i do want to talk to you about something we have a difference of opinion you and i oh no good guy i maintain Hank was going easy on Walt in this poker game. He, he, out of consideration for his twerpiness and the fact that he's got cancer, he threw this hand. He knew that he had, he had at least, uh, he, he knew he had a better hand and he folded to spare Walt because he's want to give Walt this moment in front of his family. And Marie fucked it up for him because Marie, he, you know, Marie's like, you know, going for his cards and he's all kind of sheepish and embarrassed because she's like, you got a handful of, you know, you lost a handful of nothing. You had two aces and a king. I maintain that he was not. You think that <laughs> Hank was ruthlessly playing for funny money against his brother-in-law? Yeah, I, I don't think... The cancer-stricken think chemistry teacher? I watched it a couple times, and nothing about Hank's body language says, I let you win. It says he's disappointed that he got out of that hand. 
well, agree that to disagree. That he got tricked by Walt. Because I watched the same scene uh, a few times, and I, I was convinced that he was uh, he was sandbagging. Hmm. All right. I don't know what you saw in it, but I did not see the same thing. The giant bag of sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a little... He was smuggling little, in his gut. Little ham-fisted villigan. Uh, so, sand, the rarely seen sand-fisted. <laughs> uh, Walt's hair is falling out as he's in the shower. And then he gets out and he calls Jesse he says, again. He says, Jesus Christ, I look just like Arnold from T to T3. This has got to go. <laughs> yeah, so he gets rid of all that. <laughs> uh, he calls Jesse again, and he gets Skinny Pete, who tells him where Jesse is. And we find out, oh, he's in the hospital, because that's where Walt ends up. He's unconscious. He's in rough shape. Skinny Pete's asking, you know, oh, are you the guy? Are you the cook? Yeah. And Walt just wants to know everything about Tuco. Uh, by the way... You can meet Charles Baker, a.k.a. Skinny Pete, at the ABQ Fan Fest, and yeah. he does. He's so – that's the thing about Jesse and his crew. They carry so much comedic weight, mm-hmm. and that's just a hard thing to do to play this specific kind of scumbag character for laughs. And just everything from his bravado that's like, I'm Skinny Pete. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what, that's what time it is. It's Skinny Pete time, and, and just the way he's – Talking to Walt, like most potheads and druggies know when to downshift it when they're talking to civilians, right? Sure. Skinny P is so far gone, he has no idea when to lower the 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 meth head flag. Sure, but it's also interesting because he you can tell he has a little respect for Walt. Oh as yeah, the yeah. Cook. He's like, oh, you're the you're that guy. Yeah, you're the cook. Yeah. So. You're right. He still acts like a fucking meth head. But, but he's also fronting for a person he doesn't even know. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, damn, Tuco, chill, essay. <laughs> I was sure. trying to hold him back, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, and Walt's unamused by all of this. Uh, so, do you think that Walt feels guilty about forcing Jesse into this situation where he got his ass beat? A little bit of guilt. I got another angle for you. Okay. He sees Jesse already as almost like his possession – or his guy. Hmm. This is something that that this has offended his manhood. That this guy beat his partner and did and stole drugs from him. Sure, he goes in asking for pain and suffering money. I think it's equal parts. He he's he he's got some affection for Jesse. I mean, how do you how do you kill a yeah. guy? How do you go? How do you kill and dispose of corpses of this person without coming <laughs> coming yeah. out the other side a little bit more respect? Sure. Um, but no, I feel like there's a little bit of both of those things at work. Okay. Uh, then Walt is uh, back in the bathroom. A lot of Walt in the bathroom this time. He's pissing orange. Oh Some my god! Really dark, pure Valen- chemo orange. Pure Valencia. It's a chemo pee. Uh, he takes his pills. He shaves his head. He's in rough shape, man. Mm. Not doing so good. And then he goes out to breakfast, where his family checks out his new look, and kind of acts like nothing is different. And Junior's like badass dad. It's one of my favorite lines from Junior of the entire series. Yeah, no, and other than why don't you just die already? Why don't you just fucking die? Why don't you fuck fucking die? Um, fun fact: Vince Gilligan and the crew that worked on this episode also shaved their head to show solidarity with Brian Cranston. Awesome! I thought that was a pretty cool. I don't factoid. know why did they go tidy whities to show solidarity? <laughs> like Brian Cranston doesn't give a shit. No, he doesn't. But I think it's I. I don't know. But no, that's a, that's cool. That when you were hear, another actor, but when you hear that they're all like a family, I think that that's kind of yeah, the shit yeah. that they get up to. Also, sure, that's the stuff that got to me with their speeches at the Emmys this year. Yeah, I someone called me on um, my 
Walt Jr. breakfast observations and pulled that whole, you know, actually, Jr. T- turns on breakfast more often than you think. I believe it was Ben R. I might be wrong. Um, I'm going to keep track of it. I'm going to keep a, a Walt Jr. breakfast count. So far, okay. he's two for three, scarfing down to breakfast. Yeah, he had one awkward breakfast. He had one awkward breakfast that he noped out of, but he is he's uh, uh, every other one, he's been a champ. All right. A chomping champ. Well, we'll keep track of that, see how it goes. Uh, then Walt goes to see Tuco. Um, he demands 50000 for the meth and the pain and suffering of Jesse, and then he uses the, the small fleck of this uh, fulminated mercury. No, sorry. No, it is. It's fulminated mm-hmm. mercury, not mercury fulminate. Uh, to blow up his, his joint and then demands that he takes two pounds per week. So Walt upsells him on that. Uh, do you think, my question is, first of all, why he let Walt in in the first place? Man. And do you think he lets Walt in if Walt had not shaved his head? Wow. <laughs> if it's Walter White, not Heisenberg coming up there. So take all this before before you get sending angry emails. Uh-huh. Breaking Bad's one of my favorite shows. I've done a very time-consuming podcast for many, many years oh, to no. show my allegiance and how much I love it and how much I just like suck Vince's uh, villigan. When you have to preface this much, I'm scared. I'm just saying that to me, it's one of those potentially potential plot holes in the series because it feels like 99 times out of 100 – Walt rolls up and pulls this shit on this tough guy, and the guy just beats, just kicks him in his ass and says, get on. Get the hell out of here. Doesn't even let him in the door. No. Yeah. No, I'm, doesn't I'm even you. call it up to Tuco. They made a point of saying Skinny Pete knew Tuco from the joint. But Walt did not use any of that as a reference. He, he just says, up, he looked in the camera. Are you are you Tuco? I'm not leaving until I, until I talk to Tuco. Tuco mm-hmm. does not know this man from no. Adam. Uh, and and then that... I'd almost believed that Tuco, it's like a flip of a coin, 50-50, whether Tuco lets this guy up to beat his ass or here's what he has to say because Tuco's okay. is crazy. Okay. Maybe he just snorted a bunch of meth. Said, I want an ass to beat. And I'm like, yeah, like, woo, I got to <laughs> I gotta duct tape some nuts on a donkey. There's a lot of <laughs> testicle imagery in this episode. Sure, sure. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, there's Skinny Pete talking about beating, what is he, t- tighter than two nuts in a ball sack. Yeah, yeah. That's Skinny Pete's line, sure. Yeah, um, a ball sack and an ice cold pool. Two nuts and a ball sack, yo. So, <laughs> I kind of buy that he I, this this foot this street level soldier. I don't understand how he gets in 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 the door at all. I don't know, but he does. But he does. And he blows the shit out of the the whole place. Did uh, you, and, I, I forget. Have you or have you not seen the MythBusters episode with Vince and Aaron Paul where they do myth, uh, Breaking Bad myths? I've not seen that one. I really want to. It's pretty good. It turns out uh, fulminated mercury will not – this quantity will not make remotely this explosion. You know, it's like a magician explosion. I saw the MacGyver one with the sodium – Sure, sure. Uh, so, sodium whatever. It wouldn't blow a hole in the wall. Yeah, they take liberties. Now, like a quantity around the size of the whole bag that Walt did would do that kind of damage to a room, but it would also kill everyone inside. Sure, Sure, that explosion that blows out the windows kills everyone in that room. It seems like it. 
or at least blows their eardrums out. Like they're knocks them unconscious. Yeah, like they're they're you, out for the you. Count. Just got flashbanged, and I, I I would buy that Walt being prepared for it. That's what I when I first saw this, I thought, oh, he's going to do the crouch down, look away, and cover your ears, and <laughs> no, then walk out of this. But I'm like, that doesn't get him anywhere. That just gives a bewildered, pissed off drug dealer. <laughs> Why did this guy blow up my? But then when he's got the whole bag up there, yeah, yeah. that's where the brilliance of he's it. He's already came in. showed you what a tiny quantity can do. Yeah, now it's like, and if you shoot me, and even Tuco, as crazy ass as he is, yeah, and he's he's pretty fucking crazy, mm-hmm. just from what we've seen. Knows that you can't shoot the guy, so he backs the guy down, and he respects the nuts. He respects the 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 donkey duct tape nuts on Walt, sure, and goes sure. along I, with this deal. My big question, because because the next scene. It's a continuation. Wall just walks back out to his car with the cash, and he celebrates kind of the adrenaline rush and the win. Yeah. Here. He's like, ah, yeah. Yeah. How does Tuco not get arrested? Because I I can hear the cops coming in the background as Wall drives off. Whoa, uh, that's a good Tuco's question. entire joint is blown out. He's got There's stacks of cash. fire rolling. There's methamphetamines everywhere. Yeah. How does he not get arrested there? Does he bug out? Uh, that's like a right good, after Walt leaves? That's a good question. Is he uh you have to. You'd have to. And I he, almost want to have to, yeah. It, it, maybe they address that in future episodes. I I don't know because it's been a many a year since I've seen oh, yeah. all of season one. In fact, I'm I'm shocked that Tuco <laughs> is in <laughs> season in episode six. My recollection yeah. is that he was set up at the end of season one mm-hmm. and then they deal with him more in season two. I couldn't fucking believe it. When we got to Tuco in episode six, I'm like, wow, I thought that was at least an episode, maybe a season away. Yeah, I didn't realize that the first time they introduced Tuco in that episode, they've already blown up his headquarters. Th- that's, I guess that's what really surprised me. I was mildly surprised to see that, and I thought that maybe this episode was the finale, or, or maybe he blew it the, the office up in the second, ep- or this, the second yeah. season. Yeah. Shocked that we are this far away. And that's I kind of find myself doing that more and more. Like, wow, we've already met Badger, Skinny P, and combo we've mm-hmm. um all these people are already on the table that i kind of assumed were, were later on down the line uh, a couple other points um so it turns out that the one out that villigan gave on this fulminated mercury deal is that he says it's fulminated mercury plus a little tweak so we're supposed to okay if, if anyone did the math and crunched the numbers and said what the fuck fulminated mercury don't do that the little tweak the brilliance of his crystal cart spectrography chemistry shit is what enabled him to to make up all this stuff so okay um I'll, I'll buy that sure why not yeah but this yeah it's walt is a brilliant chemist after all he's a nobel prize winning chemist right um no it's it's a fantastic episode. Tuco is a fantastic villain. Raymond Cruz, who is the guy that plays him. I've mostly seen him in heroic roles. Like he was, um, uh, he was uh, some sort of Marine recon guy in the hmm. Harrison Ford clear and present danger. Tom okay. Clancy movie. I can buy that. Uh, he played one of, he also was one of the heavies um, uh, in, in the, the rock, the movie, the rock. <laughs> He was one of the, the the special forces guys there, but they were sympathetic. I mean, there was two of those guys who were just out and out goons, but this guy was not one of them. And and to see him play just full on terrifying crazy, just a, a great performance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've not seen him in anything else, but 
I mean, I'm sure I have, but I haven't really noticed his performance. Yeah, he's been in a lot of action movies. Yeah, a couple and of the ones like you mentioned, I've seen. Yeah, nature because he does play like even without you know even without being menacing and maniacal, he does play kind of a a sturdy looking badass that just reads that way without having to know anything else about him. Absolutely. Yeah, it's too bad because I thought he played one of my favorite Tom Clancy characters of all time, and I was kind of excited back in the day that's like, oh wow, he actually plays Ding. And that they could make like movie after movie with that. No, fuck it. They could never get the Tom Clancy shit worked up. <laughs> well, Tom Clancy sold his name for video games so. <laughs> and then died. Yeah. So yeah, doesn't doesn't have his name or his life anymore. <laughs> uh, so the, the the song at the very end is called uh, "Catch Your Own Train." It's by the Silver Seas. Do you have any idea what the significance for this chorus might be? You and I are not the mm. same. You say you like sun. I like the rain. So before we go through it all again, <laughs> you better catch your own train. Better catch your own train, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you threw in that last because it didn't really come together until, until – Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It seems to me that this could be Heisenberg and Walt having a conversation with themselves. It could be the duality sure. between Walt and Jesse. There was that violent change between the Walt and the Heisenberg this episode. Yeah, uh, literally coming together out of an explosive reaction. Yeah. It could be Walt singing to Skyler. But definitely the sunshine versus the rain, that's uh, hmm. a lot of different possibilities. One other note. Did you have anything else to say on that? Because I got one no, other No, I, I think piece you're right. Just showing a contrast um, between two things. And that can apply to a lot here. So you've heard of the Wilhelm scream, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's in hundreds of movies. It's this old sound of a guy going roughly, when they fall off a cliff. It's in yeah. Star Wars. It's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's in tons of movies. Mm-hmm. There was there's the, have you heard of the Howard Dean it's, scream? It's it's the the garage band sound clip of podcasting in movie yeah. form. Right, right. <laughs> so if you if you know who Howard Dean is, he was a um a guy who ran for president a few years back and he his campaign kind of ended when he gave this uh, rah-rah speech after he'd lost a, a primary election, and he named <laughs> after all these states he was going to go on to win to pump up his base, and then he in the microphone he did this like pterodactyl scream, <laughs> and the media the media pulled, made this into just this giant joke and destroyed his campaign. I wasn't carrying the guy's water; doesn't carry either way. But I was like, man, it's kind of dirty pool. A, a fucking stupid thing to end. That he your was campaign. saying the thing is he was writing a mic. A directional mic. This room was going insane. Like, it was deafening applause yeah, and yeah, screaming yeah. and yelling. So this, like, no one at the room thought that he sounded like a maniac. But you isolate that, it does sound like he should be put in a padded room. <laughs> sure. I'm saying all this, and that the sound engineers mixed in the Howard Dean scream <laughs> into one of the many shouts and yells that you hear uh, when Walt blows up Tuco's place. And nice. I'm going to post nice. a YouTube clip that's pretty funny about pointing that out. Um, I thought that was pretty hilarious. And then people have apparently done movie dubs where they replaced yeah they replaced the, the Wilhelm scream with, with the Howard, the Howard Dean. Dean scream. I support it. Well, the Wilhelm's had yes. a good, it had a good run. Good run. We need we need to get the Dean. The I Dean agree. scream. Catch your own train, Wilhelm scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I think that's it for the recap. Why don't we get into some pimping and some feedback? Yeah, do some 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 pimping, and then we'll get to the feedback. Uh, first of all. We just want to let everyone know we're doing a new podcast. It's on Boardwalk Empire that uh, premiered its final. It, it, it's the premiere episode of the final series. It's called the Speakeasy. It's called the Speakeasy. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can also find it on baldmove.com, uh, prominently on our podcast link. People are disappointed we didn't call it 
Baldwalk Empire. Baldwalk. We actually we, we, considered it was in that the running. Yeah, too on the nose. A little bit. <laughs> a little too on the nose. Um, but uh, we just started that. We had a little preview, and then we got the first episode up. If you're a Boardwalk fan, check it out. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can do so um, a couple different ways, and you can go to baldmove.com and click on the support link to find out more information about all this. You can, you can, and you can straight up donate now. Uh, people have asked us to do that, and after several years of denying it, we're like, "Fuck it, why not?" Sure. Uh, you can go to subbable.com slash baldmove and convert your money to bald move memorabilia and custom content opportunities. Is anybody interested in Bitcoin donation? Like. I don't like Adam Carolla's got that on his site. We've talked about it. It's super, and we've got we. But we, it's niche. It's like it is niche. Nobody. We, you and I got in the Bitcoin game a while back, and we've got we could. It wouldn't take much to accept that. So yeah, if, uh, yeah. We we'll get a couple emails on Bitcoin. We might throw that up there. We'll see. Uh, Subbable.com slash bald move, and also the Amazon dot link. Uh, use it every time you shop with Amazon, and we just get free yeah. money from Amazon. It doesn't cost. It's not like there's a bald move surcharge. It's hidden. Mm-hmm. We just get free money. Pennies from Bezos' pocket. Pennies, and it, 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 it apparently adds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't do any of that, there's a couple free ways you can support us. Tell your friends and family. Share our shit on social media. Rate and review us on iTunes. All those things help us get a, a bigger reach, bigger audience, and vacuum ultimately more pennies yeah which allows us to keep making more podcasts it's yeah. the circle uh, of un- unbelievably we actually need money to to eat on so yeah can't live on <laughs> fulminated mercury alone <laughs> shall we get to some feedback some surprising yeah. feedback let's do it you and i were taking quite the piss on the poor fellow who suggested that uh <laughs> the chiral form of meth is cold medicine we were we're like yeah. that can't be right yep especially we, me i was peeing all over him we're not chemists. You know who is? Taylor H. He says, I'm a senior pre-doctor, uh, uh, both MD and PhD student at the University of Colorado. I'm studying neuroscience, integrative physiology, and psychology. I've worked in a lab here on campus for almost five years. I wanted to inform you that the listener that emailed you about chirality of meth was partially correct. Damn it. Methamphetamine is indeed a chiral molecule and exists in two isomers, a l- Oh, shit. A levoratory form <laughs> and a dextroloratory form. Uh-huh. I believe that's left and right. Okay. Um, the levoratory form is levomethamphetamine and is used mm-hmm. as an over-the-counter inhalant decongestant. Also the main ingredient in Coca-Cola. <laughs> Not true. The dextrorotatory <laughs> form is the central nervous system stimulant methamphetamine we have come to know and love through Breaking Bad. Mm, main so, ingredient in Chipotle burritos. In fact, a mirror image of meth is used as a nasal decongestant. Nothing that Jim said is correct. Damn. Okay. Nothing I've ever said is correct now, I feel. Uh, he also Henry also, who claims some expertise, says that Walter's P2P cook, uh, which we'll get to in a bit, should result in a product that is 50% meth and 50% nasal decongestant, uh, the two chiral molecules, mm, okay. and yet somehow... His process only produces meth. Ooh. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm going to read the rest of this in the spoiler section because I, now that I'm actually got my brain engaged, uh, this has got quite a few number of spoilers in it. Okay. So there you go, teasing you spoiler fans with some good good stuff, some 99.1% stuff. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I stand corrected. Not not a problem. When the listeners correct me, I'm always happy to learn a little bit. 
Indeed. Joseph A.E. said uh, Charles Baker, a.k.a. Skinny Pete, has described in interviews that his part in this episode was supposed to be for Badger, but that actor was unavailable. Before that, Baker's part was just a one-off small part earlier in the season. Huh. Skinny Pete has had a tad more seriousness in, had a tad more seriousness in him than Badger, so uh, yep. it was felt that it was a good change. Baker said it wasn't until he got his script that his character got a name and he got some hope that he might be asked back for future episodes. After all, I'm Skinny Pete, yo. <laughs> Interesting, and there's uh, something I want to talk about in the spoiler section as well about unexpected cast changes and ways Villigan thought things were going to go and the way things went and the impact they have on Breaking Bad as a whole. Um, but thanks for that uh, piece of trivia. Andrea in Toronto says, I'm by no means a Skylar lover, but you don't know what it's like to be a pregnant woman. If I were <laughs> You're right. In, You're right, I don't. If I were in her shoes, worrying about her, my husband dying, financial hardship because of his sickness, and even before his sickness, really. Mm-hmm. My teenage son with CP, my new baby, and a mix of some crazy hormones in with that. Of course you would break down at a party and start gushing to someone who asks you how things are. All right. Especially if that person is a long-time somewhat friend. You guys don't understand what pregnancy hormones do to a normal person's logic. I once broke down and cried at the line out of a bank for 10 minutes for absolutely no reason. Sure. Maybe normally you wouldn't you just smile and nod, but I can certainly understand why she didn't have a poker face at the party. That is a strong take, which I feel kind of stupid uh for not intimating before. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. But in my defense, I do not know what it's like to be a pregnant woman. Yeah, it makes perfect sense in that it doesn't need to make sense, right? No, right. Like sometimes you just you get overwhelmed by that, and boom, it happens. Hormones are a, yeah. su- a surprisingly big part of our personalities. And you Ask start... teenage me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you start fucking with that shit, bad things happen. Yeah. Barry C. says, there's a lot of talk about when Walt broke bad, but for me, this episode was the definit- definitive Heisenberg moment. By Heisenberg moment, I don't mean when he turned into a kingpin, but when he turned into a pop culture icon. Mm, for yeah. me, this is when the show stopped being just a uh, gritty drama and became a stylish cult show. It was when Walt stopped being a good guy and turned bad and became a cartoonish supervillain with science superpowers and even a supervillain costume. <laughs> Of his bit. bald head and bespeckled face. I still think it would have been the greatest show ever without it, but it's these moments that gave the show so many hardcore Walt sympathizing fans. And why you see so many people wearing Breaking Bad t-shirts and some totally awesome fan work. Uh, had to be one of the top five cool moments in the show. Do you guys agree? Ooh, yes. Top five. I'm going to make a comparison in the spoiler section to another episode okay. that I really loved. Um, There's so many cool moments, though. There are. There's there are elite, a whole bunch of them. Like top ten, I could say for sure. Top five, I would have to sit down and think about it because, damn, there are a lot of yeah stand uh, up and cheer moments in the show. The one thing I could probably say without getting too spoilery is that this is a MacGyver moment um, in my mind for Walt, where he uses science to solve a problem to get himself out of a sticky situation. Yeah. Uh, or you know, he puts himself in one and then uses science to get it out, get him out. Uh, and I don't think it's too spoiler to say that he does this at least once more in the series. And that was one of the things that always appealed to me about the character of Heisenberg is that he uses science for his purposes sure. to great effect. Sure. Uh, very, very MacGyvery. Yeah. And it's easy in the very few first, it's, it's easy in the early goings of Breaking Bad to just unabashedly be a Walt fan because yeah. fuck Tuco. 
Tuco's a psychopath. And his life, man. Crazy his life eight. is crumbling around him. Crazy Eight is a is a crazy murderer that would have killed him with that bat and an eyelash. And yeah. arguably he killed him in in, in self-defense. And it's that I mean that whole thesis that that uh um the villain had for Walt that he's gonna take Mr. Chips, turn him into Mr. Scarface, by the way, reference in this episode. Mm-hmm. Where Jesse says, "I can't move a a pound of meth in a night." What am I, Scarface? Yeah, um, it's definitely very compelling. I, and in fact, I don't know that I I will go a little step further for, from Barry and say if you took these moments out of Breaking Bad, I don't know that it's popular at all because it's definitely got great dramatic moments, but you're taking all the sizzle out of the steak. Yeah, you just, you just yeah, got yeah. steak left. Yep, what's steak without it's raw meat? Sure, you need the sizzle. Cut it in half and put it in two plastic bins. <laughs> um, Scott V said, "Hey, um, my email's about gray matter. You guys were talking about Walt maybe getting to these, going to these big parties before his Richie Rich mansion. I don't think so. In fact, I had an entirely different quote unquote head cannon than you guys did. I think. Now, I want to explain this term because I use it before an episode, and I don't want to get a bunch of e- emails. Yeah, I don't remember what he's talking about. Head cannon." The idea of head cannon is the like cannon is the work of a show. The like, not like a shooting cannon, but like the okay. the Bible cannon, the the books that the Bible are assembled, the 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 raw materials that are actually on the author's page. Okay, yeah. Head cannon is the stuff that the fans make up to make the other parts work, or they're just their pet theories or whatever. It's the connecting of dots that are there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Connections might not be, but what he's what is he talking about? I don't remember the. He said, "Here's how scene. I saw it on this party." He says that he's got this – it's a conspiracy theory that Skyler called Elliot directly, first telling him that Walt feels bad about the way things went between them and they haven't stayed in touch. Then she tells him why, that Walt has cancer and is feeling nostalgic for the old days. Now, Walt has said none of this. It's just Skyler trying to get her agenda of trying to save Walt. So Elliot says, hey, come to my birthday party. Let's see what I can do. Now Skyler tells Walt, hey, get a load of this. Elliot called and invited us to his birthday party. He said, don't worry about bringing a gift. Walt thinks Elliot is reaching out to him, so he decides to go. Uh, then, you know, he says Walt knowing or Elliot knowing Walt and Gretchen's history tests the waters with Gretchen. Hey, babe, I invited Walt and Skyler to my birthday. I may even offer Walt a job. Elliot knows that if Gretchen, if he tells Gretchen of the cancer, she'd insist they come or be unable to hide the knowledge when she saw him. Gretchen thinks it's great, and Elliot would want Walt around. He may have said something in his past. So there's a lot of words that basically I think we've already got the core germ of the idea mm-hmm. that in his head canon that that Skyler engineered this up from the beginning, and she's kind of telling fibs about how. And this I would say fits in with her character. Yeah i I don't know enough um, about Skyler's relationship with Elliot and Gretchen. To, to really, like, say, yeah, you're right, or no, you're not right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well she knows them. It seems like the timelines of Walt and Elliot's problems, Walt, Elliot, and Gretchen's problems, yeah. is maybe, like, the beginning of Skylar's relationship with Walt, or... Sure, or, or soon slightly after. slightly after, yeah. like... So I don't know how well she knows them. Does she know that it's their birthday, that he's having this party, and to call up at that certain time? I don't know. That's a good question. Does she just know that they had a relationship and now he's super well, see, this successful is, and she might be able to get money out of him? I, I guess the real question he's answering at, at what he brings around to the end of the email is that we were asserting that about whether it's Skyler odd did it. 
Well, not only that, but we said it's kind of odd that like, you know, Walt, the idea of Walt and Skyler going to their birthday party on a regular basis, like, okay, they kind of acted like, well, this was the first time they've seen their house. And, you know, like, why would he call out of the blue? This does explain neatly Mm -hmm. all those kind of inconsistencies. Like, and, you know, Walt's been on the outs with this guy. They haven't spoken in a long time. Why would he just randomly get invited, invited to his birthday? Well, you could also assume that he invites him to his birthday every year and Walt just never goes. Then he decided to go this time. Because he's kind of running from that. I don't know. Like I said, the more I think about it, the more this makes sense. But yeah, I don't... No, he's, I think Skyler might have had some hand in it. Yeah. Like just pushing Walt to go, hoping maybe sure. they'll talk and Elliot will do something. But it's kind of pointless to argue this because it's headcanon. There's no... Yeah, there's I mean, no the, the best you could dots. do is disprove it. And if you can't directly do that, then it's like, hey, solid yeah. theory. Makes sense. Explain sure. some things. Um, Elizabeth G said, I uh, want to chime in on our, my little Skylar barometer as I'm rewatching the show. I can see why, how, and where the Skylar hate came from and, uh, how it came about. Walt agreed to the treatment. She questions, uh, or he, Walt was kind of forced to agree to the treatment. She questions his whereabouts and the whereabouts of Elliot's check. Her, the support group is probably her idea. She puts Walt in the spot to make him explain his whereabouts. Not saying I agree with it, but I can definitely see where it come from in the early days of Breaking Bad. All right, so she's on another boat. Uh-huh. Another boat than you are. No, I mean I, that's what I'm saying. I my surprise is not that there's not moments where you can say, "Oh God, Skyler's kind of annoying and odious and manipulative." You just I thought knew it was those more, moments were there. More severe. I just as I as I'm watching again, I'm like, this is also balanced with the knowledge that. Walt's doing horrible shit. Yeah, he was definitely up to something. <laughs> and lying about it. It, it. it. This would be another show if he just was a guy who's dying of cancer. Yeah, and his wife was and questioning every single move and that's thing the, he that, made. And that's the thing, I guess, that maybe is where a lot of men are watching the show and maybe women are like, this is bullshit. Because she did not know that that's what's going on. Sure. And cancer can explain a lot, which is... But there again, that goes into what a fucking dick Walt is for manipulating people's natural sympathies to avoid the questions uh-huh but then it's kind of a knock against skylar that that does not deter her most people would sure. be like okay this guy's going through a, some weird behavior is entirely explainable i wish he'd be more open but the man's dying he's going against he's, his d- desires to yeah. save his own life for my behalf skylar no none of that shit i could also understand her desire to deal with this together i mean they are a family after all they Certainly. are married. She wants some some window into what he's feeling, and he's not giving her that. Right. I'm just saying that that's what I guess my thesis is. If your your relationship, she's suffering too. She's having a hard time with this as well, and he's ignoring that. Well, and that but that's a big. So that's an interesting comment as well because there's this whole theory about you know whenever you're dealing with a shitty situation, someone you you love is dying of cancer. Someone you love is a victim of a crime. Mm-hmm. It affects that person, but then it also affects that person's spouse, their yeah. children, their brothers and sisters, their coworkers, and you get this out. This is kind of like you know they're the epicenter of an explosion. Everybody else is traumatized too. Mm-hmm. One of the mistakes a lot of people in those outer circles of of trauma is they want to share their pain and grief and sorrow yeah. with the person in the middle. Person in the middle is bleeding from their ears and nose and their heads ringing. And this person's like, I feel so bad because of this has happened to and you. And it's Instead compounded of, by the fact that it's not just his wife having trouble with it and, yes. and wanting to pile that on him. It's everyone he knows putting right, that on right. him as well. 
so I get it. Yeah, that's the thing that's kind of you know when you see that happening, and and, and it's a natural human inclination because you're trying sure. to connect with this person and how bad. But really, what you should be doing is just shutting up and listening, and, and how can I help you? Yeah, her attitude in that meeting suggests to me that it's. Kind of about how she's feeling. No, totally. You can see her. Walt. You know, Walt. I saw this support uh, cancer group. We need to go there. And then all along, yeah. And now she's saying he's not talking to me. Yes. Like I'm not understanding what he's going through. I want this. She's I want not this. respecting who's in the middle of the trauma. Yeah. And that's yeah. like even subconsciously, people in, understand that that's kind of gross. Now, sure. I'm not piling on Skylar. No, and I understand why she's doing that. She's and feeling people shitty. do that. That's human nature. But I'm just saying that, like, if you. That's part of the problem with the whites relationship is that when you – at a certain point, you got to be like, okay, I don't trust this person. I'm following this person. I'm following up. Their, I'm reading their emails. I'm stealing their phone and looking through the text messages. <laughs> Even if you don't find anything, something's really – you guys need you guys need counseling because that's a yeah, shitty yeah. place to be in a relationship when there's no trust at that point. Yeah, it doesn't seem like either of them are willing to sit down and acknowledge like, this thing that we're acknowledging right now on the podcast. Yeah. That both of them are hurting – both of them need support. Now, Walt's the kind of guy that wouldn't go to counseling. So then, yeah. the, the, where yeah. do you do? So, sure. But I'm saying it's like there's definitely shitty situ- stuff on both sides of this thing. It definitely. just so happens that Walt is a murderous drug pin, drug king pin. Yeah. So, and, the, and it's happening <laughs> to Walt. He is a more naturally sympathetic character in this whole drama. Yep. Uh Erin says, I want to make a quick weird observation that I'm not even sure you could read on air because it sort of spoils another show. Um, I, I don't think it does. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. We don't watch the show, right? No. It's the leftovers that we do a podcast on. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think that it's a giant spoiler because of the way we talk about it. And if not, so, eh, well, you know, you should be watching <laughs> the leftovers. Fantastic. Uh, I thought it was incredible how closely Walt's transformation from holy shit, I can't believe I just did something so crazy. This is so much money to, ah, power, count all the money. And then drives away, uh, and then he drives away, matched with Matt's gambling scene in The Leftovers. Even more interesting is that technically Matt didn't do anything, quote unquote, wrong to earn the money, but he had to do something horrible to keep it. Walt did something terrible to earn the money, but got away scot free. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that was kind of interesting. When we were, uh, I, I saw on the Facebook, there's this evolving conversation about how, you know, rewatching Breaking Bad makes some of these rookie shows like Fargo and True Detective and The Leftovers kind of pale a little bit in comparison. And another poster of the thing was Tom G said the reverse. I see all of Breaking Bad's DNA in these shows. Yeah, yeah. Which just means like they're taking what's working and making it stronger. I, you know, you compare these first seasons of these those three shows I just talked, True Detective, Fargo, and um, Leftovers. Leftovers, and then compare to first season of Breaking Bad, I it's I don't know if you could argue that one that some of these are not stronger. Yeah, no, and season one of Breaking Bad is uh, spoiler alert, not uh, its strongest fucking season. Right. So nobody will say that either. Like that shouldn't be exactly. A, yeah. Even though it is a great first season for a show, I will agree. I think Fargo, for instance, is a much n- – not much. It is a stronger first season. It's also longer, had longer times to – you know, and they, they this was this was intended to be a much longer season that got cut short by the writer's strike. Yes. So uh, they had to kind of manufacture 
a satisfying end and wrap this up before they lost all the writers. Yeah, yeah. To, but to say, but to say in any way that that takes away from Breaking Bad as a whole, I think would be foolish. I think it's <laughs> foolish either, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but I think it's it's no, that's it's, not what the right that's not what they're saying in this email. I, th- I think it's no, no, not Erin, but someone yeah. else on the Facebook thing. I think it's a mistake to say that because these things Breaking Bad kind of paved this way. And, you know, did all these innovative story techniques and these different things. And now we see that stuff showing up in Fargo and True Detective that that doesn't make those shows lesser. No. It both it both enhances Breaking Bad's legacy and makes the next generation stronger. It does both, in my opinion. And it's not good coming in both directions. It's not like they're just copycatting Breaking Bad. Hmm. They're adding their own twist. They're adding their own stuff. And it's working really well building on that, you know, shoulders of giants and that stuff. So that's it for the feedback this week. If you'd like to give us more, uh, and stay tuned for our spoiler sections after the music. Yeah. But if you'd like to give us some more feedback, uh, we're always listening at breakinggood at baldmove.com. If you've got long-term, especially spoiler takes, try to keep that off of social media because we are doing this as a newbie's first cast. Um, if you have some non-spoiler takes or just want to participate in the podcast discussion, you can do that on facebook.com slash baldmove, or you can tweet at Jim at baldmove. Uh, next week, we got the season one finale. Yep. And uh, we also have a boatload of spoilers coming towards you if you want to stay at passing music. Yep. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back next Thursday with another episode. Till then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye. Hey, one last thing before we go. Uh, our buddy Jesse Wilson of Personal Arrogance fame, one of our best buds in the whole world, is doing a Kickstarter to fulfill his life dream of opening a brewery. We did a little uh, interview with him and his wife, who's also his business partner, that we're going to put at the end of our podcast this week as a way to uh, help draw attention to his uh, cause. Uh, If you're a fan of Good Beer or the Bald Move family, give this a listen. And uh, I put a link in the show notes if you want to check out his Kickstarter and see how you can help. Uh, It's something we're kind of sympathetic to, you know, having struck out on our own with this podcasting thing. It would make nothing make me nothing happier than to see my buddy uh, brewing beer. And it's not like this is a pipe dream. He is a brewing professional. So is his wife. I would love for him to come up with a bald move blue a brewery yonder. <laughs> uh, so and we with Jim and I are uh, our backers this project. So so we believe in it personally. Uh, but check it out. I think it's interesting. And uh, we will see you next week. Join us on the podcast now is our good buddy Jesse Wilson. And his wife, Tasha. And uh, if you don't know it, uh, they do a podcast for us, uh, Personal Arrogance, on the Bald Move Network. And Jesse's one of her best buddies. In fact, you are closer to me than my actual flesh and blood brother. Uh, You have put me up on your couches on multiple occasions when I visited Seattle. You have plied me with many a free beer. Uh, You've been a real minch and a real friend to Jim and I. And we are super excited because you've got some really exciting news vis-a-vis a brewery you're trying to kickstart. And we want to give you a little time on our podcast to talk about that. Thanks, man. Yeah, Tasha and I are uh, kickstarting a brewery that uh, hopefully will be located in Bremerton, Washington. It's called Lovecraft Brewing Company. And uh, you can find that on Kickstarter by, if you just search Lovecraft, it's the first thing that pops up. And uh, we have a Facebook page. If you look up Lovecraft Brewing Company, you'll find that. So um, it's real exciting. It's a lot of work, and we got a long way to go, and we need all the support we can get. So if you donate, we have a bunch of cool uh, donation levels 
Like, what are some of the stuff you like, Josh? I think the hoodie is probably one of my favorite things. And we have lots of really cool artwork done by Eric Walquist, who's very talented. Yeah, personal arrogance fame. Yeah. And we have pint glasses and even a handmade sign that I made on my pottery wheel. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, bald move our backers. By the way, we we are. We, I'm getting that hoodie. We did get <laughs> hoodie right. and I, I'm getting the t-shirt. So all right. <laughs> um, uh, so Lovecraft Brewing Company. How'd you come up with the name? Well, I've been a big Lovecraft uh, fan, a fan of the writer H.P. Lovecraft for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, I also love craft beer. And uh, so I kind of just put two and two together and sort of portmanteaued it into Lovecraft Brewing Company. So it's definitely, we have a lot of nerdy origins, but we're trying to like cloak it so that the normal people are like, oh, they just love craft brewing. Ah, that's yeah. uh, nice how it works out. And you guys, it's like, uh, you're not Johnny, Johnny Come Lately's on the Lovecraft train. You guys have been talking about that on your podcast. You guys host the annual uh, Pubcraft Love Crawl, or is it the Love? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the HP Pubcraft Love Crawl, uh, HP Lovecraft theme pub crawl in Seattle every year. <laughs> I can yeah. tell you struggled saying that. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Congratulations getting through it. I seriously you take a hit to your sanity every time you say it. Now, if people are backing, they're like, "What confidence can they have that Jesse and Tasha can actually deliver on this promise of making tasty beer?" Uh, well, that's actually one thing that separates us from a lot of other brewery upstarts on Kickstarter is the fact that between Tosh and I, we have over seven years experience in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, we already know how to make great beer, and it's just a matter of doing it for ourselves instead of doing it for someone else. What kind of uh, flavors and stuff are you guys targeting to uh, on your release? Well, we have a really great IPA to start out with. And um, we also do a different, a couple different blends of uh, Belgian-style beer with Britannomyces, so it's nice and uh, has a nice bite to it in a good way and tart, sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a nice tart flavor. From we use two, it's a it's two strains of yeast, including a Belgian wild yeast strain, so it gives it a a very distinct flavor. As well as we're going to use Northwest. Ale yeast for our IPA for a nice traditional IPA. Natasha, you have some uh, distilling experience. Is this something that potentially you guys would be willing to get into if the beer part was successful? Would you guys get to still out, start bre- yeah. brewing some shine? Or Most definitely, that's <laughs> something we want to do in the future. It's uh, it takes a lot more. It costs a lot more to do distilling, and you don't get as much. Um, profit out of it so it'll be something down the line but i definitely would like to do that yeah okay. totally we just checked out a place today for the uh potential brewery and it's it's already sprinkled yep which is very big nice Fire. uh anything else that you'd like the potential backers to know oh uh, yeah i just want to let everyone know that we are truly embracing the spirit of independence here which is why we need your support we can't do this without you uh we had someone on the podcast who called in and was all gung-ho about it and was like, if, even if the Kickstarter fails, just do it anyway. But there's not really any just doing it anyway. So we really, really need all the help we can get. And um, we appreciate every dollar that comes through. So please, yeah, uh, check out the Kickstarter. And if you see something you like, uh, please donate. Yeah, and feel free to ask us more questions online. We have our information at the Kickstarter. So if you have any other questions. 
And to help you guys find it, we're going to include a link to their uh, Kickstarter and Facebook on all the show notes that we're running this uh, for this week. Uh, when is the how, – how I know because uh, we're going to run this uh, right this next week, and then we're going to probably run it closer towards the end of your campaign. How long do they have to support you guys? When is your campaign closing? It closes in 52 days, so just at the end of October, basically. Okay. I think it's October 27th. All right. So uh, just a, a reminder for everybody to get there and support Jesse and uh, Tasha. I'm super excited for you guys. Uh, I wish you guys all the best. My fondest fantasy would to be on my next trip out to Washington. Uh, I get a tour of your guys' brewery and uh, oh, yeah. make a little, a little nip of those brews. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. All right. Well, thanks for uh, having on. Do you got anything else, Jim? No, that's it. All right. Thanks, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. with the spoiler section i had a couple of things from this episode that i wanted to uh mention one of them is you know the doghouse the doghouse is first shown here we will definitely see the doghouse again it's where jesse buys his gun is the doghouse a real active location in albuquerque because if so i, I don't want, know i want to go and eat there when we go out i there. definitely want a dog from the doghouse. i kind of feel like and i this is this is not my firm opinion, and I'm sure Ginny and Miguel will let us know right away. Um, I, I kind of feel like that it's a closed it, the place is closed down, and that's why oh, they use how it as could a that set. be? If they existed before Breaking Bad, you think their business would just skyrocket? Well, it's like the Unless argument for dogs. like, huh? Unless why don't they have bad dogs? Yeah, I mean, rabid dogs. You can make the same argument at Los Pollos Hermanos, you know, like that place yeah. is actually real, I guess, chicken joint. Yeah, but it's not Los Pollos Hermanos. If this is the fucking doghouse. Yeah, okay. And there you act, But that's the thing. Like, how do you use a local <laughs> business like that in a show? I don't know. I, I, I'm talking, I have no idea. This is not the podcast I didn't set out to do where I just talk and not have any idea what I'm talking about. So maybe we should move None on. None of our podcasts are the ones we set out to do. <laughs> Doghouse is a rad location. I hope we get to visit it. I hope it's on the Be- Breaking yeah. Bad tour. Me too, definitely. Uh, the the one other thing I had was during the poker scene where Hank calls Walt a very bad, bad liar. I like that because Walt Walt is kind of a bad liar. He is a terrible liar. Everyone is seeing through everything he says, and yet no one... And yet somehow he gets away with it. How do you? I mean, Skyler knows he's lying. The know that he's lying is easy. But to then jump that he's cooking meth in the desert with this former student and killing people, that's where it's so brilliant. Because (laughs) You don't know how big the lie is. They're they're looking in the wrong place. Like, at worst, he's having an affair. No, it gets way – it's it's way worse than that. Way worse than that. Yeah. And I I like how – Hank asks him here, are you hiding something? Well, of course, we know he is. Uh, and, and I think Walt gets to be a better liar throughout the series. Oh, God. I think right now he's just learning how to lie. He's never done this before. Uh, and people are seeing through it. But then later, when he's got the gun to his head with Jesse, and Jesse's ready to kill him, he lies his way out of that. No. And he does it convincingly. Season four through five, Walt is a phenomenal liar. And yeah. it's also interesting that seasons four, Four through five, it could also be served. Uh, you could also call it that Skyler's Breaking Bad. 
Definitely. Yeah. Because she follows a, a mini. Sure. She becomes mini Heisenberg. Accountant. Yeah. Would you call her a Heisen bitch? <laughs> I, not to her face. <laughs> not to her face. No. No. Because <laughs> no. <laughs> um, she'll give you a big check and then you'll slip on oranges and break a goddamn neck. Absolutely. That's what happens when you, when you step to Skylar. Yep. Uh, you have any spoilers you want to talk about? Um, yes, I do. I liked, uh, there's several things that are kind of foreshadowing or hints, um, of things to come. Walt's warning to Walt, or I'm sorry, Hank's warning to Walt. Uh, look, I know they're your students, but do not underestimate them. It's a big mistake. Oh, okay. Arguably, there's many things that lead to the downfall of Heisenberg. Mm-hmm. But Jesse's epic troll of him with the barrel full of cash, look like he like like he's got his money, is what leads to his downfall. That's what yeah, brings takes him back out to the desert. Where that's they, what leads to Hajli, which is where you know that's the downfall of of the house of of White of the house of Heisenberg. Yeah. Uh, also, it applies to um, uh, little 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 uh, Ricky Hitler. Uh, <laughs> Todd Jesse Owens is that his name? Is that Jesse? No, uh, Plemons. P- Plemons? Yeah, something like we'll, that. We'll get it right by season five. Trust <laughs> us. Um, but but the little blonde, the little blonde uh, Aryan boy that uh, turns out to be a complete psychopath, another student of Walt that he puts far too much trust in and underestimates what he's capable of. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it is Plemons, by the way. What do you think about? Tuco, um, you know, basically stay out of my territory delivered yes. with a bag full of cash. That's the other one. We talk about we talk about Walt inheriting the attributes of or the attributes of people that he murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's got a grill next season. He's got, totally got a grill next season. <laughs> he didn't directly kill Tuco. No. But he set in motion the thing that did. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he got subconsciously this monomaniacal desire for turf and empire building and and this greed for his his turf and his expansion? Something he got from hmm. Tuco, or another easily easy way to explain it is uh, Hank says, "Hey, buddy, you got to look after your turf." In this uh, episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both those things, neither of those things, one of those more than the other. Yeah, he could have taken that. I mean, we know he gets the crust stuff um, from Crazy Eight, right? Yep. So, and, and we got later the, on, his, we get stuff from Gus. He gets stuff. Yep. Uh, it's definitely a theme going through. I, I think he might have gotten his turf, uh, you know, say my name sort of stuff from Tuco. Right. Um. One other thing, but I wanted... yeah, that's that episode where he goes out in the parking lot and says, "Stay out of my territory." Uh-huh. Felt. A lot like this episode to me, like yeah. the end of this. It was a triumph for the for Heisenberg. He's just getting like when that he happens, was about to get out of the game. He was about to get out, and he got back in because of that. Right. It felt like you know before this episode he was out. He got back in, and boom! Now he's stay out of my territory. I'm going to blow up your joint. And certainly one of his crowning moments of badass too. Yeah. Knowing what we know, watching the entire series, how in the hell? Did Tuco operate within the Gus Fring ecosystem? Super good question. So first of all, we had a little pre-discussion, and then we cut it off because we like tried to save as much of the stuff for the podcast as possible. Yeah, save it for the cast. Gus, some people might be under an impression, I know I was until we talked us through, that Gus was starting in the meth game 
when he recruits Gale and recruits Walt. That is incorrect. That, that is not true. Um, as we know with Don Eladio and his sidekick, you know, his chicken cooking mm-hmm. uh, brother, I think uh, is no, how they disguised it. Yeah. Lover, Lover, maybe. Um, they were in the meth game long ago, and they were using Don Eladio's supply of meth to distribute mm. um, through their chicken operation. So... Many, many years ago, they were already in this. Yeah. What happened, why it felt like they were just getting into it is because they built that big super lab. Mm-hmm. That super lab was them trying to cut Eladio out of the whole operation and yeah. just take it over. We're going to cook it. We're going to distribute it. We're going to make much more profit because we're not. And we're also, I'm going to find these fuckers out that have yes. tormented me and, and, and humiliated me. Yeah, yeah, and it's my revenge. Um, and, and that's, you know, why Juan Bolsa died. Uh-huh. That's why he went back and killed Don Eladio. Sure, sure. Like, all, all of that stuff was so that he could own the operation now. Yep, okay. So so we still have Gus, a mm-hmm. ruthless businessman. Operating. Operating in the heart of Tuco's. I don't, I don't think Tuco... I'm not saying how did Gus survive. I'm saying how did Tuco survive. Sure. I, I, was was Tuco buying his shit from Gus? So you've got to take it all the way back to Crazy Eight, right? Because Tuco moved in on Crazy Eight's turf after he died. So that would imply that Crazy Eight was dealing simultaneously with Gus at first. And I feel like they they made kind of a big deal about the blue stuff being all around Albuquerque, all around New Mexico and surrounding states. And I thought that that was... Gus's thing. He didn't shit where he eat. Mm. Where he eats, he would sell outside of the area. So when you found that blue, and I think the the blue that was showing up in Albuquerque in New Mexico was the stuff that Jesse was stealing on the side. Sure, sure. No, yeah, definitely. So yeah. Jesse made the mistake of shitting where he eats. Yeah, but D- Gus... And so Gus wasn't actually operating I don't buy where that. Tuco and Crazy 8 were Because one of, the, one of the points is that Jesse has a problem with Gus, Gus's street people dealing involving children. Hmm. That's a yeah, big plot right. point. So it's like, I... And I, that happened in Albuquerque. Yeah. So, and maybe that, maybe huh. he moved in after Crazy... He You know, that this is kind of like a, a situation where Tuco... Didn't move on Crazy Eight. Crazy Eight died. Tuco moved in. Tuco now has a bigger sphere. When he died, that left the power vacuum that Gus's people were able to move into, move into the valley area. Okay. I don't think we have all the answers, mm-hmm. and I don't know that all the answers are there. Maybe if you've got a, a better way to connect the dots, maybe Crazy Eight wasn't big enough to be on Gus's radar. But with Tuco taking over his business as well, yeah, they finally now they were like, they okay, this thought, is eating into our our bottom line. And this is funny how like this Breaking Bad is very much like a platform, old school Nintendo platform. The bosses just keep getting bigger, and like you know, Crazy <laughs> yeah, Eight's yeah. the the level one boss. Sure, not Hank, too bad. Hank is the main boss, right? Or the Nazis are the main the, boss. Nazis final, final boss. boss. Although right. you, you could, could argue, argue Gus. That was just all epilogue shit. Gus is the main, the the big bad. Yeah, but so is Heis- Hank. No, Heisenberg <sighs> is the main villain, or the main, because it was he his is. own He's pride and hubris that, that screwed him over. Yeah. So the other thing is this also helped me crystallize the whole Emilio Crazy 8 situation, uh, because when when Jesse came to Crazy 8 and said, I ain't buying, I'm, or I ain't buying, I'm selling, uh-huh. Crazy 8 acted surprised, like, you know, and you didn't cook this shit. 
it makes it seem like that Jesse and Emilio were making a move to cook without Crazy Eight's permission, which is why he used his informant powers to, you know, get rid of his competition. Interesting. Which makes it like you know, there's a lot of like corrupt crook stories. There was one in Orange and the New Black, which I know you don't know, but this is kind of a trope where a kingpin has some cops on his payroll that then he uses to selectively you know, like I'll give up some of my competition to sure. some of my low level guys that are fucking with me. So you can have easy rest and look good, but then you protect me and you let me know what's going on. Yeah, you're clearing the way for me to grow my operation. And we always had that question about Merker. Like how much did he really know yeah, about the yeah, Gus yeah. situation? You wonder whether this a lot of money without Hank Gus. knowing, because I don't think I think Hank's clean as a whistle. Yeah. Um he's pig headed and arrogant and wrong and racist know, wrong-headed <laughs> about how he views the war on drugs and and the mexican people yeah and a lot many other things asians uh mm. people that aren't white women period don't have testicles <laughs> yeah he's wrong-headed a lot of things but I, I wonder if that's kind of another hint towards how there's a little dirtiness going on the dea it could be we we suspected yeah. They have someone inside there. And Merker certainly acted shocked, but then again, he would, wouldn't he? He would. Uh, we have a... Uh, I, I wanted to finish out... Um, I believe it was Henry's? Let me see if I scroll. Yeah, Henry's version of the uh, the P2P cook, which is what he comes up with, with involving the methylamine. Um, he said, uh, continuing that where we left off in the non-spoiler section, the PT, P2P cook should result in a product that's 50% meth and 50% nasal decongestion, mm-hmm. the two chiral molecules, yet somehow his only produces meth. Remember when he taunts Victor in box cutter, if our reaction is not stereospecific, then how can our product be, uh, any anatomiometrically pure? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Makes perfect sp- sense. He go- He's highlighting this point. Uh, folks speculate that Walt uses some of his crystallography breakthroughs to achieve this uh, dramatic gain in quality, crystallography being Walt's specialty. Yeah. And also this purification step is what is produce, produces the blue color because that's something we talked about in the old cast. Using methylamine does not make blue meth. So that would also explain that. Uh, he also continues that while methylamine is a watch substance, it would be trivial for someone with Walt's chemical skill to formulate methylamine <laughs> from relatively easy to obtain precursors. Huh. Creative liberty on behalf of the writers, I suppose, and I have no problem with it. I, I don't either because the methylamine becomes somewhat of a MacGuffin. You know, it's an easy way to say just like you know you need large quantities of pseudo. Can't get pseudo, so you get methylamine. If you get an ocean of methylamine, we that's easy to know. Whereas if you're tracking individual precursors. Same shit. It's just sure. Yeah, they're they're just distilling it. Yeah, so not important to the story. storytelling. Yeah, but I liked I like the uh, in depth uh, chemistry and science knowledge. So thank you uh, to 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 both of the guys that sent us uh, that extended information, uh, Henry and uh, scroll scroll scroll. Oh shoot, that's right. I f- <laughs> <laughs> Henry and Taylor. Okay, thank our you two guys official very chemistry much. correspondents. Yeah. All right, is that it for That's spoilers? It. Again, if you got spoiler takes or otherwise, please send them in to Breaking Bad, or I'm sorry, BreakingGood at BaldMove.com. Sounds good. And we will see you guys next week. Yep, see you then.